0: A very good afternoon, good afternoon to you all. Welcome to Global Digest today, and we are joined by um, the usual crew of Devi Sayega um and Irene Mwangi. Um, our usual host Farid is um, away on official business, as would say, as they would say in government. Um, today, we have. Um, Three very interesting topics, and we'll be joined by um, one of our colleagues from the sports department who will be helping us to dissect why Kenya got or why Kenya was awarded the rights to host the AFCON 2027. Um, Davis and Irene will be talking about um, the issue of, of course, why Kenya is so keen. To send uh, troops to, to send its police officers to Haiti to help with this, uh, with the problem there. And of course, we are looking at the National Dialogue comi- uh, Committee. And the question that is on everyone's mind has President Ruto, or is President Ruto walking back the whole idea or the whole um, thought process that he had in regards to whether or not we should have a constitutional amendment? This early in his in his tenure, welcome, and let's have this conversation, Irene Davis.
1: Thank you so much, Dave. thank you so much, Lavan.
2: Thank you, Lavan.
0: Yeah, it's not the first time I've been confused for Davis, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> uh, so we start from this viewpoint, uh, the National Dialogue Committee. We started uh, when, it first, when it was first being um, pitched. Um, Giving them under the manners and everything. People didn't feel like it was necessary. Now you are seeing even people who castigated um, the former Prime Minister and the Azimio team are the first ones to show up with with volumes of memoranda saying this is what we want. A- and now even the deputy pres even the president now looks like he's softened his stand.
2: You know, before the establishment of the National Dialogue Committee, before it to where we are currently, a good number of leaders had a different perception on how the the committee would look like because many at the time thought that the committee was primarily... its job would be to primarily, uh, more or less, uh, bring Azimio leader Raila Odinga into government. Yeah. But after the formulation of the committee, I think a lot has happened... Uh, things are quickly moving and now leaders uh, as have uh, started to embrace what is happening in the committee because we've, se- we've seen a number of leaders and stakeholders appear before the committee to give their views on how ultimately uh, the issue of inclusivity and the issue of political stability after every electioneering period can be achieved here in the, in the country. So I think it has now dawned on these leaders that this what the committee is doing is mm-hmm. is very important because what really kenya needs going forward after every electioneering period is we need that political stability and we 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 wait and we wait to see if the committee which is being co-chaired by national assembly majority leader kimani shungwa and the WIPA leader kalonzo musyoka uh, will come up with substantive resolutions and recommendations that will get to be adopted to ensure that uh, we get to have a better Kenya going forward.
0: Irene, when I look when someone looks at the Capital FM website, most of the stories that come from that are from bombers unfortunately are written by you. But the bigger question in the room is is President Ruto, walki- is President Ruto walking back? Remember during the campaigns he constantly asked people, mnataka kanini." Katiba ama Uchumi. tuinu nini? Katiba Uchumi. Now it seems like Uchumi umemshinda amegiukia Katiba.
1: Um, that President William Ruto is walking back from his statement that it's uh, changing the constitution is not a priority, it's true. And why so is because the political goodwill for him to implement um, the Kenya Kwanza Manifesto is not there, especially when the opposition is not um, keen on doing their mandate in terms of oversight, but keen to agitate for changes, including the ghosts of the 2022 general election. When this particular uh, bipartisan uh, or the national dialogue committee was formed, key on its priority was one, the high cost of living; two, the issue of the reconstitution of IEBC but as the conversation um, escalates forward we are seeing more and more inputs being put into this national conversation and that's why you're seeing many non-governmental organizations trooping to give their opinions
0: mm-hmm. but it's the not th- just uh, n- what do you call it not, it's not just cbos ngos mm-hmm. but it yeah, is but also kenya Kwanzaa mp's yeah, and so uh, far Uh so far if you look at it the only person who seems to be against this whole conversation is the deputy president
1: yeah and i was getting to that to say that when we are seeing um the kenya kwanza members of parliament trooping in being keen to see what they are getting uh, for is the issue of either increasing the presidential term limit Mm -hmm. and secondly the issue of boundary delimitation in terms of increasing the number of counties and constituencies. This was not the first um, agendas that were tabled when the conversation was starting given that it seems that some of the Kenya Kwanzaa members of parliament have taken advantage of this national conversation to sort of sneak in some of the proposals that will either work to their advantage or give them a political mileage. So the talks have sort of taken a sideshow mm-hmm. in what appears to be the momentum of the talks, but it is for the goodwill of both sides because it seems like Azimio is um, is focused on the 2022 22nd- 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 general election, while the Kenya concert Troops are focused in either creating the office of the opposition leader as well as the issue of increasing um, the counties and the constituencies, as well as creating. I've said the the seat of the opposition leader uh uh increasing the number of counties and um, constituencies yeah. as well as extending the term limit of um, the president
0: so but we are seeing now there there is already some obstacles being being erected on the path of this whole um, conversation in the sense that there are people who have already gone to
2: court saying this process should be stopped. But even before I answer you that question, Laman, I think for for the case of the president, William Ruto, I think reality has also dawned on him that some of the issues need to be addressed and looked at, the issue of accountability, because even himself, he's been at the forefront in... Rooting for the idea of having the office of the opposi- the office of the official opposition leader in the country. This is one of the issues that the dialogue committee is also deliberating on. So I think the president, it has come to a point when the president has been hit with reality that these are some of the issues that he needs to address. The issues of inclusivity, because when you look at the plan, the manifesto plan, the Kenya Kwanza plan, just like you correctly mentioned, and Irene. The president at the time was very vocal that he will not entertain the idea of changing the constitution. And when you look at some of the issues that this committee is deliberating on, they will need to be either subjected in a referendum or parliament in some form will have to be included so that some of these issues can be adopted and become law. to Maybe your question. S-
0: just, just before you get to answering the initial question, you mentioned the issue of opposition and accountability. But how does that play out when the opposition itself says the president has bought, is poaching our members? The president has weakened the opposition itself. So how is he helping them to oversight him?
2: You know, the president, besides being the president, he's a politician. So him being in power, he will do whatever it takes to ensure that he has the numbers in parliament so that some of these. Pro- legislative proposals can be passed. Mm-hmm. But on the issue of having the office of the official opposition leader, I think on matters of accountability, this is one of the areas that the president has been very vocally wants. He says that he, he has even declared that he is ready and willing to finance the office himself. But uh, really, that cannot happen until there is proper structure. So I think what the committee is doing is, 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 is good for the nation because the net value of what they will come out with resolutions I think in the long run will, will be v- beneficial to the nations and the citizenry because what we want to see is a united nation after every election hearing period. Mm. We don't want to be subjected to tensions and all manner of things that come with election. But but, uh, but we
1: must call out um, President William Bruto for sort of hypocrisy in terms of creating the office of the position leader, but at the same time um, poaching um, the leaders who were in Azimio Omoja, and Kenya. Mm -hmm. Yet already we had the Political Parties Act of um, 2022, which outlined um, some sort of a political hygiene in political parties so that we don't see um, politician hopping from one party to the other, and taking advantage of the situation that due to the appeal system uh, that we have in the country in terms of moving to the High Court, the Court of Appeal to to the Supreme Court, some of these litigation cases take a lot of time and before we notice it, we are having another general election. So it will be unfortunate if um, President William Bruto is agitating for the office of the opposition leader, but at the same time weakening um, the political party structures that we are having in the country. And to say that, we are hoping that the National Dialogue Committee which is looking into one of these issues and um, the former um, Attorney General Lambo Swako raised it and said that when he was a sitting senator, when he would um, witness some of these scenarios, most of the politicians will joke and say that they cannot take me anywhere. If anything, Mm -hmm. I'll move through um, our judicial system to ensure that um, the process takes long enough. By the time we are looking into this particular issue, we are looking into the next general election. So even as the president is calling for the office of the pre- opposition leader it will be quite futile to set um that particular office when um the leader has no numbers not because um he did not campaign during um the previous general election to have the numbers is because he had the numbers but because we are having a calculative and ambitious uh, president the numbers are not there anymore and in this in these cases we we are seeing situations of Politicians being bought, if at all the political theatrics that we're seeing that we saw mm. after the August 9th um, general election is anything to go by. So, until we get to a position whereby we are doing it from good faith, then it will be quite unfortunate or it will be a waste of time for us having um, the office of the opposition leader. Uh, so I, th- I,
2: th- I think, think, I think, th- I think, I think, Laban, I think the issue of the, the issue of poaching, mm-hmm. w- what we've seen the president do, I think can be remedied in, in future elections because party fidelity is one of the agendas that the committee is deliberating on. So mm-hmm. it will be very interesting to see what will come out in form of a recommendation going forward. If a member of parliament, for instance, is elected with with a party X, can he or she defect to another? And what and, and
1: what... what, what, what what you know, we, we are not having shortage in terms of um, the legal mechanism. I think the Political Parties Act of 2022 sort of quite addressed the the the, the scenario that we are having right now, mm-hmm. but because implementation is another thing and uh, interpreting the law is a, a different ball game. Is that that's why it's defeat is to see what is currently happening. If at all we are to look into what um, the ruling that was uh, touted Solomonic by the National Assembly Speaker, Moses Wetangula, in terms of which coalition has what numbers. Looking into that particular ruling and looking into what the Political Parties Act says in terms of the information that um, he was given by the Registrar of Political Parties and Derito, you could read that the laws are in place, but the implementation is another total um, ball game, which quite um, interferes with political hygiene. In the political arena, yeah, which
3: brings me,
0: which brings me to this question: Are we over legislating? Is it, couldn't all this be fixed simply by politicians behaving properly? It's just an issue of bad manners by by politicians. You've all mentioned there is a law that can do this. There's a law that can do this. I didn't say. some members of parliament say there's nothing they can they can do because they know how to play with the legal system.
2: I think first we need to understand and appreciate how we got here in the first place. We got here because last year's election were contested by the closest challenger to the... Victor, that is President William Bruto, that is Azmiol leader, Raila Odinga, contested the outcome of the polls. (laughs) And that is what subsequently led to the formation of this National Dialogue Committee. As a country, I I agree with you in totality. We have sufficient laws. And the problem, it comes to implementation of these laws. But I think... Enforcement. Enforcement, rather, sorry. Enforcement of these laws. But I think what this committee intends to do going forward is to cure the, the 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 problems that will arise after every electioneering period especially on the issue of inclusivity this is this is what i think the committee is really focusing on because when you look at just it, just
0: if i could help when you speak of inclusivity what what do you what 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 are you exactly implying
2: inclusivity here means uh for instance, when you look at the agenda of creating the office of the official opposition leader, mm-hmm. this is a government trying to extend an olive branch that, yes, you lost to an election, but we can still have you in government because at the end of the day, it is government resources that will fund this office. When you look at the issue of embedding or rather entrenching the, 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 uh, the constituency development fund into the Constitution, this is a regime admitting that we need to equitably distribute resources to different parts of the country and many other issues. So I think at the end of the day, when the committee is expected to table its report, I think it's the 29th of this month in Parliament, mm-hmm. when we look at the recommendations, I think one of the key issues that will be heavily highlighted is the idea of ensuring that after every election hearing period, the sitting government will have will need to ensure that there is inclusivity that there is unity and people are in agreement with the outcome of the polls
0: one of the things that came out today there is a a, a group a youth group from homabi that came today um to the to the bombers um, of kenya and one of the things that they were raising is the whole issue of inclusivity and they were saying it because we are we are we are from a small a small um, ethnic community called the Sober people, we we do not get representation number one at the lower level, and then at the national level, someone has come up with uh with with a with a theory that they are putting into practice called the shareholders theory, whereby if you are not a shareholder, you don't get part of government. So they were saying. In order to cure that, give this particular group, this suba people, give them their own county number one, and then give them another another, another advantage in terms of give them their own consti- uh, another constituency. Now, the question that even the majority leader asked was: At what point do you stop to say, okay, we can't give Davis, Laban, Irene their own constituencies based on the fact that they feel? that they are not
2: they're not represented at the higher level. You know, that is one of one of the issues that also featured prominently when the former A. G. Kidumwigai appeared before the committee. He spoke about the need to scrap some of the constituencies and counties. He cited this because he, he said he attributed his argument to the whole idea that we are spending too much money when it comes to Facilitating the represent the representatives of this particular county, so I think that is one of the areas. Also, the committee needs to come out boldly and give out concrete solutions or recommendations that will guide that conversation. But I think when it comes to matters inclusivity, it boils down to resources. It boils to, down to a person living in Trukana County and one here in Nairobi. There needs to be more or less like a balanced. Type of it should be a balanced type of equation that if there is development, educational development here in Nairobi, that person living in Turkana County should also be in a position to see that indeed my member of parliament has the resources to build classrooms. My member of parliament, let's
0: not forget that the person Turkana, for instance, and Nairobi development wise. They are not at the same at the same level. That is true. Correct. Yeah. And one of the one of the things that the 2010 Constitution sought to do was to bring in the equalization fund. Now, unfortunately, that fund took took more time to just be to be, just be implemented. Yeah. That you've even made to kind of just drag back a bit, and now we have counties, which were supposed to kind of level the ground. But it's not happening. Irene, you're um, burning with the, with
1: the <laughs> <confusion>. <laughs> I actually wanted to comment on the issue of um, increasing the number of counties. And if you're keen to look into how the discussion is um, is, is coming about, mm-hmm. is that it's more along ethnic lines than the issue of inclusivity. Mm-hmm. If you look, say, in say, Migori County, we are having the Courier community. Uh, bec- because Migori is majorly the couriers and the Luos mm. we're having the Korea community saying they want um, a, a, a county or on their own. Yeah. The same scenario is being witnessed say um, in is it in Kisi there was also another one in um, Westport Court yeah. in terms of these communities now saying they want their, their own counties. Mm. So now it deviates the conversation in terms of inclusivity we're now looking into um um, div- uh, increasing the number of counties due to um, ethnic inclination. Mm-hmm. And that will be quite a dangerous path because even in um, communities where you'll see it's some sort of a homogeneous sort of um, community, say in central region, you'll be surprised that we are having the sort of Demberes and, um, and the Kikuyus and the Merus and the Darakas if you're now having a conversation of increasing the counties in terms of ethnic lines, then we'll be having communities now agitating for their own counties because they associate with a specific tribe. So in in as much as we want to have the conversation of inclusivity and look into communities that have been marginalized for so long, I do agree that there are some of um, the communities that feel they have been marginalized for so long. We should be keen to see it's not an issue of ethnic composition that is agitating for this um, particular um, inc- increase in counties. The same is happening even in Busia. Mm-hmm. We're having now the Luya the community and also the Tesso wanting their own counties. And so that's why you see it's an issue of uh, politics now taking um, center stage in terms of this conversation instead of the issue of looking into having unity in the country and conversation of inclusivity to ensure that, you know, uh, counties, areas that have been marginalised for so long can now get um, the stream of development and also the issue of representation
0: The phrase that the politician use is y- you must give someone the feeling that they are part of Kenya yeah? so that brings me to when you go back to mandamano you go back to when the two leaders um, met and agreed on something when you now look at all that we have said the conversations that we have had. When you look at the agenda items that both teams had, the question still begs between Raila and Ruto, who's gonna lose out on this? Because at some point, you are the people who went to the streets are like, we are not hearing anything about um, high cost of living.
2: I think I don't want to. I don't want to speak as if I'm. Raila Odinga spokesperson but I think from a political viewpoint if this whole thing goes to a referendum Raila Odinga will tend it will use it as a litmus test for 2027 uh, depending on the recommendations that would have been drawn by the committee but I think like you've uh, mentioned I think it is important to underscore that The real people here in this conversation Mm -hmm. are the Kenyans who protested, the Kenyans who went on the streets to protest, especially on the high cost of living. So I think that is one of the issues that the committee needs to come out again boldly and enumerate what are some of the things that can be done by the regime to reduce the high cost of living forget about creating the office of uh, official opposition uh, leader uh, cre- entrenching some of these funds into the constitution uh, ensuring that there is party fidelity I think the ordinary Kenyan is not interested about the creation of these offices and doing this and that they are interested in ensuring that the issue like you've mentioned the issue of the high cost of living is is brought down so I think for Raila Odinga if he was true to it supporters and if 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 his intention was really genuine he needs to be really keen and alert on ensuring that the committee gets to decisively handle all this issue of the high cost of living because it is one of the issues that the Kenya Kwanzaa administration is not really keen on mm-hmm. but the Azimio Brigade insists that this is one of the issues that must be addressed and from the people who have so far presented their memorandums to the committee, I haven't th- th- this whole idea of the high cost of living has be- hasn't been very conspicuous sadly, but I think now it is upon the Azimio leader, Raila Odinga, to ensure that it is one of the driving factors that will have the committee come up with concrete recommendations that will uh, give directions on this whole idea of reducing. I agree. I I,
1: I, I think um, (coughs) at the onset, both Raila and Ruto might lose um, whatever they want to be um, to bring onto the table if they do not follow um, the constitutional provisions. In terms of Article 255 of the Constitution on what requires a referendum, we saw the BBI, which took months, you know, being flopped uh, at at um, the court, at the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. due to issues that were outlooked from the very onset. And even as we are seeing people moving to court to impede um, the National Dialogue Committee, they should be quite careful in terms of the provisions that they are bringing on the table. If at all, they will follow um, the constitutional provision. Now. President William Bruto might win this if he manages to solve the issue of high cost of living without having to follow on this National Dialogue Committee because those are some of the provisions that are not required to be implemented in the law. The Constitution constitution is quite clear in some of these issues. The issue of high cost of living, the issue of implementation of the two-third gender rule, they don't require to go through... Um, the National Dialogue Committee, it is an issue of goodwill for it to be passed through um, the parliamentary initiative. Should they be successful to follow the law for this issue to go through the referendum, then it will be Ruto versus Raila in terms of what is Raila agitating for, the creation of the Office of the Opposition Leader. Are Kenyans into that particular idea? What is Raila agitating for in terms of um, propo, propo, the pro, proposal in terms of the electoral reform, reforms are Kenyans for it. Now, the battle will be at the referendum stage in terms of who is agitating for what and how Kenyans will ensure that they vote for or against some of those uh, particular provisions. So it, is, it will be quite interesting to see um, the next um, stage of the National Dialogue Committee in terms of the recommendation that they'll bring into the table and whether Kenyans are really for it. If at all, it will go through a referendum.
0: It will be an interesting wait indeed, and we need to take a short break. We'll be back in a few. And good evening, and welcome back to Global Digest with myself, Laban Onambisi, Davis Ayega, Irene Mwangi, and now we are joined by our sports um, journalist guru. You know him as as the sports Moran um, on on Twitter and on face on uh, on YouTube. He is none other than Timothy Olobulu. and he's coming through to help us understand how we miraculously landed the rights to host the two the 2027 Africa Cup of Nations. Welcome Timothy. Thank you very much. Laban. So uh, I had to to make you sound like a like a prophet. Oh yes oh yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was almost laughing at the introduction <laughs> but it's all good. <laughs> yeah
0: but just explain to us first mm-hmm. how did we man how did you manage to pull this off? For starters um Our cabinet secretary for
3: sports, Mm -hmm. uh, the Honorable Mr. Ababu Namwamba, is a very eloquent speaker, Mm. extremely eloquent speaker. And he was the one who made the final speech uh, to the CAF executive committee before the final vote was taken. And if you know him and how he speaks, he can convince you to buy a a fridge
0: (laughs) in the Antarctic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, the people so who can make you can 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 sell salt to a snail. Exactly, yeah. but um, speaking
3: to a few people, I think what swayed what swayed the vote was uh, the fact that CAF has always agitated for regional balance and uh, spreading the game across the continent and all that and all that. So the argument was, uh, West Africa has hosted this thing, North Africa has continuously hosted this thing. Uh, East Africa, the last East African nation to host the African Cup of Nations was Ethiopia in 1976. Mm -hmm. And East Africa has only hosted the AFCON on three occasions, Ethiopia twice, and Sudan in the very first Africa Cup of Nations. So that was the biggest arguing point. Like you guys, uh, 2020, uh, next year, 2024, is heading to Ivory Coast. Uh, Cameroon hosted, that is Central Africa. Uh, Morocco have won the bid to host 2025. Egypt has hosted, you know, uh, junior tournaments, Algeria has hosted, Egypt has hosted, Mauritania has hosted, what has East Africa hosted? The last CAF tournament that East Africa hosted was the 2019 Under-17 uh, Africa Cup of Nations. So In Rwanda? Ag- in, no, in uh, Tanzania, in Dar es Salaam. Okay. Uh, Rwanda hosted Chan in 2016. Okay. So the argument was uh, East Africa, we have not eaten the big piece of cake. So why don't you guys give us that piece of cake?
0: But in order for you to have a big piece of cake, mm. you equally must have a big oven. Yes. So do we have a big oven?
3: Now, uh, one thing that people need to get clear is that bids uh, are all about plans. Okay. It is not about the actual thing you have on the ground. It is about the actual plan that you present to the executive committee. So the plan that Kenya presented to the executive committee, Kenya, Uganda and Tanzania, the East Africa Pamoja bid was a grand plan. So they sold the plan and they said, we have the capacity to execute this plan. And each of those countries presented a go-ahead from their presidents. You remember President William Ruto was very uh, in the forefront in, in when he received the bid. Kaguta Yori Museveni in Uganda, the same. Uh, Mama Samia Suluhu Hassan, who I think wants this thing more than <laughs> the, the two other presidents, yeah. was there in the front, uh, like... Asking guys, please bring this thing to to East Africa. And one thing about about uh, calf tournaments, and not just calf tournaments, but FIFA tournaments, government plays a very crucial role. Mm-hmm. If the government shows support, if the government backs the bid fully, then you are on the right
0: track. Let's let's move it to putting our money putting our money where everything is. Yes. Do. We have the we have at least Kasarani and Nyayo for Nya. Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Tanzania it was the da there was a stu, there's yeah. a stadium in da in, Dar in, in Uganda is the Nambole the in, Nambole Stadium. Yes. yes,
3: so Uganda are constructing two new stadium. Okay, Tanzania are constructing two new stadium. Kenya we are renovating Kasarani and Nyayo because they are substandard a mm-hmm. And then we are renovating Kipchoge Keino Stadium, which is also non-existent. It feels like you're building it up from scratch. Yes, for Kipchoge Keino, it's basically building up from scratch. But at least there are structures from where you can start to build. Mm-hmm. So the real work begins now. We are four years away. Mm-hmm. So the real work starts now. Yes, we've won the bid. Very nice. Congratulations. But do we have the capacity to actually host this tournament? Are the governments willing to put in money to construct these facilities? Because... East Africa, we have everything else apart from the stadia. We have hotels, we have good hospitals. The road network is fantastic. The air transport is fantastic. It's only one hour between here and Dar es Salaam, one hour between here and Kampala. Mm -hmm. So movement can be very smooth, but the biggest thing, we don't have stadia can the governments now put in the money and ensure that these stadiums are ready by 2025 because the final um, the final, not the final but the major, major uh, what is it called? The major inspection tour, tour inspection tour by the CAF team will yeah. be in 2025. Mm-hmm. Just after the the, the AFCON in Morocco. So in 2025 they'll come and and say hey guys you presented to us a very nice plan uh-huh. very nice, we loved it where is the stadium?
0: So uh, walk us through what informed at least for Kenya, mm-hmm. the choice of venues. For instance, mm-hmm. there has been already hear and cry as Yet, to why Eldoret mm-hmm. and not one of the foot, one one of the areas that um, are known to produce footballers, Football i.e., yeah. Kisumu, Kakamega, Kisii, uh, Mombasa. Even mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, for starters, Kakamega, they can't even come to the conversation. They cannot even walk into the room and start conversing about Afcon. Do they have a hotel? Do they have a five star hotel and above? The best hotel in Kakamega, and correct me if I'm wrong, you come from the western region, is Golf Hotel in Kakamega, which is not even 10% of a CAF standard hotel. Mm-hmm. That is the first thing. Kisumu, yes, they have a point. They have a few hotels. There are a few nice hotels in Kisumu. But uh, what, I, what I've come to gather is that most of the times, uh, CAF prefers the capital yeah. to host. Yes. Because uh, Tanzania mostly hosting in the capital, Dar es Salaam. They they only proposed uh, Arusha, Mm -hmm. but Arusha has an airport. Uh, Uganda as well. Uh, They have two stadiums in the capital. So they are are doing their Nambole Stadium. They are doing the Nakivubo Stadium. Both are in the capital. So CAF usually prefers to use the capital because connectivity, internet, uh, roads, and all that and all that. So it's the infrastructural uh, development around the area that they focus on first. Because... For example, if Kakamega was to host Afcon, you're taking Riyad Maris <laughs> to sleep at Golf Hotel, <laughs> you Golf can Hotel drive, in Kakamega. Or, or
0: you can take him to Kisumu, like you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: like Kisumu. But now, they, there they have, uh, they have a point. Mombasa as well, uh, because it's a coastal city, low altitude, uh, very nice for tourism and all, because hotels now they Have a hundred percent, they have a good, uh, a good uh, airport, mm-hmm. so it's it's now up to the country to decide, uh, guys. Um, yeah, can Eldoret.
0: we do Does Eldoret have the bed capacity? Does Eldoret have, yeah, the road networks that those pointers that you have yeah. been mm-hmm. now?
3: Another thing, mm-hmm. Eldoret has been put as a third venue, yes. Remember, we are three uh, countries that are hosting the tournament, there are six groups, so it's two stadia per country. Mm-hmm. So you have your first choice, your second choice, then. A standby, a standby stadium. Eldoret, yes, it ticks the box. They have an airport, uh, a, a good airport. Mm. Hotel bed capacities. where I'm 50-50 about. Yeah. Will they build new hotels? Uh, they sold it from what I was listening to. They sold it from the perspective of Eldoret uh, being a high-performance center and attracting sporting talent. But that is athletics. Now, yeah. that is where I had a problem with the bid. Because if you look at Kisumu, uh, recently, uh, this weekend we had Chapadimba in Safari Com tournament mm-hmm. in, in Kisumu. The turnout was massive. The turnout, like Stadium in Kisumu was full to the brim. Mm-hmm. They have a shot. They should have had a shot at least
0: for that. That's where I want to take you. Mm-hmm. For any sponsor, mm-hmm. um, what do you call it, the World Cup, yeah. either the women the, the and all the men's. Mm-hmm. be it cricket, be it rugby, one of the things the sponsors want is for people to see my product the fans here yeah. yes mm-hmm. so if for instance a region is not known for for for, for being enthusiastic about, about football, football
3: yeah what are you
0: yeah how is, are you going to sell that argument yeah that to is the a question the everyone people.
3: was asking why eldoret and not kisumu because mm-hmm. eldoret it's an athletics event it will the stadium will fill up in the morning <laughs> at six am in the morning. Yeah, but a football event—are
0: they really that enthusiastic about football? That is a big question. Mm-hmm. Let us now look at what does Kenya mm-hmm. in the long run mm-hmm. seek to gain from this. Um, I don't know from other hosts. Mm-hmm. You've covered um, you've covered previous uh, yeah. one of the one of those um Afcons, Afcons yeah. whereby at this point where everyone comes into the country and there's this buzz and stuff and then everyone leaves mm-hmm. and the, the, the country is now left to ask themselves okay, after hosting everyone what, else? what have we gotten out of this? Out, uh, except for the fact that for once um, the president will be able to say, "I delivered three studies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
3: uh, what for, else for, for Kenya? I think that is the biggest thing. We've been really struggling with the, with facilities. We have a lot of sporting talent. We have a lot of sporting events, but we struggle with with facilities. For me, one of the biggest takeouts from hosting this Afcon is the fact that we'll have we'll have a new stadium in Jamhuri. We'll have Eldoret finished, which is multipurpose. will be used for athletics, football. It can be used for rugby. We'll have Nyayo, Kasarani up to the standards, mm-hmm. but also looking at the tournament itself uh it opens up jobs for people because mm-hmm. it's a very wide uh wide seeking tournament because there's so much that is needed to run that tournament there'll be jobs for people there'll be sports tourism you know mm-hmm. people will like uh the west african countries they travel like the fans travel whenever their teams are playing especially at the afcon and all that and all that so sports tourism they They'll bring in money to the economy. We'll have facilities at least for once. We'll not be sharing Kasarani Annex, 15 teams using one one facility. Mm -hmm. So for me, the biggest takeout from hosting this AFCON is the fact that we'll have facilities for our sportsmen and women. Because for a very long time, we've not taken sports... The way we should, we we are supposed to to take it. We've taken sports as literally michezo, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's just something co-curricular activities, like we used to call it in primary. But now sports is a very, very, very big business. I'll give an example of the Lindsay Sports Complex that was recently constructed by the uh, by the KDF. Mm -hmm. The amount of money that stadium is already bringing the KDF is a lot Mm -hmm. because you have. Uh, schools hiring it, uh, hiring the ground. You have teams hiring the ground, so you have continuous flow of of cash into the into the economy. For example, Eldoret will have now teams playing in El, in Eldoret. Teams will hire out that stadium. For example, uh, Eldoret is, is an high altitude training area. If a team, for example, Cameroon are coming to play what Uganda or what they will come and camp in Kenya, like Ghana used to do yeah. uh, before. You know, mm-hmm. so it opens up that you have more facilities, not only for your local people, but if, if there comes a need that you need to hire them out, then you make money for your own selves.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the advantages, Tim, I think you have, um, against against of Novasia, mm-hmm. is you have, in a way, participated mm-hmm. in the planning stage of world, um, International um, international gaming activities. Mm-hmm. for instance um, the World Athletics Championships mm-hmm. and you've also covered Afcon. Now, without the bias of being a Kenyan, mm-hmm. what would you say should be the priority? when you look at it from maybe an inspector's point of view or someone who has accompanied an inspector and you've seen what they are usually ticking and where they usually put an X mm. and stuff like that. Improve here, do this there. Like I said before, stadia. Mm-hmm. That's the alpha and
3: omega of this bid. That is where it will fall. That is where it will, it will rise. The moment we have our stadia to the right, to the right standards, we are good to go. That is the only thing we need to do. Because mm-hmm. look at our roads to Kona Expressway. Our airport is uh, one of the busiest in, in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, internet, we have options. Like every other thing. Hotels, hospitals. Like we are good every other place. But Stadia, that is where we lack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davis?
2: I, th- I think this is one of the areas that this government will try as much as possible to ensure it succeeds. And I'm very I'm very hopeful because... If the issues of the high cost of living will not get President William Ruto re-elected, then Afcon will. Yeah, and there, it will. there is it will. a high possibility that Kenyans will be told we can also host the World Cup.
3: Yeah, and there is also talk of hosting the twenty twenty nine World Athletics Championships. Mm-hmm. So. It's also like part of the bait. Like, guys, you've, you've seen we've hosted AFCON successfully. Everything went okay. Now please give us the the world championships. Give us a diamond league. So it's, it's broad in terms of sport. It, it, it's not just encompassing football alone, but it opens up the broad prospect of sports in the whole country um, and i think if okay, only you only
1: the jubilee government built the 10 stadiums that they promised uh, uh, by uh, then in, in would their manifesto we ah, will be, will be would a better be fa- place now we would not even Ruta's be talking be of eh atungekuwa na
3: wasiwasi lakini shida okay shida tunapenda mchezo
0: <laughs> you know the funny thing is, I didn't was silent. Throughout <laughs> this whole conversation. She just remembered we were and promised. Yeah, <laughs> the ten said, "Yeah, is where she just she couldn't let it go." Isiolo <laughs> and Marsabit. Yeah, <laughs> she couldn't. Let it. By the way, um, I'm one of those people who actually believe that Isiolo is a gem that we have mm. not we are we are refusing as a country to explore to explore. Yeah, yeah. I I I have actually been saying if there's a city. That will be hosting, um, that has the capability to host the Olympics at some point. It's going to be Isiolo. You will remember me for this. <laughs> and
3: uh, I wanted to add one thing that makes me a bit confident uh, that this work will be concluded is the fact that we are using the Kenya Defense Forces to renovate the stadium. Mm-hmm. Remember what they did with their own Ulindsay Sports Complex. Look at what they are doing in their own barracks. Uh, they, are, they want to construct a a uh, level 5 hospital in every barrack and they're going to do it. Look at what they, they've done with KMC. Look at what they've done with Huru Gardens. Look at what they've done with... Uh, what is this called? Con- uh,
0: Huru, yeah, Huru Park? Yes. So that gives me a bit of confidence that actually, True. by the way,
3: these guys can pull this off.
0: I think that's one of the reasons why... Kenya actually ended up um, being given the, the, the rights mm. in the sense that they were told we are getting the army to do it yeah. and they, they keep on delivering. Mm-hmm. The, other, the other way would have been to just say the Chinese are doing it for us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the other things that I wanted to, point to to get out of view is in regards to the money mm-hmm. that you're expecting to spend for kenya and tanzania and uganda B- by the way when you look at when you look at the what do you call it when you look at the funds, one of the things if you remember nicholas musoni mm-hmm. he had this uh, famous uh um, <laughs> where he said the problems with kenya so yeah Ni they love beer. yes <laughs> and gossiping that
3: is where the problem so is
0: for for how do you tanzania you don't have a problem Uganda I,
3: yeah, you Tanzania, don't have a problem in yeah. Uganda, Tanzania and, and that's why I think I highly suspect the closing ceremony will be in Tanzania and the final will be in Tanzania. I highly, I highly suspect mm-hmm. Kenya Mtambio too because you're the biggest economy in in the region, Chukwenika opening ceremony. <laughs> but the closing ceremony yeah, Tanzania, their fans are something else. Uh, uh, your closing remark. my closing remarks is uh, there are very many doubting Thomases and unfortunately uh, this time in 2018 when you hosted when you were to host Chan I was one of the doubting Thomases but now the Kenya Defense Forces has given me a lot of hope <laughs> that we are actually going to host this and I hope that the government will, will take this, to, uh, will take this to, to the end because one of the biggest things that fails a bid is when the government is not committed. That happened in 2018. The government was not committed to hosting the, the, the chan. Now, if the government is committed to ensuring that we have those stadia ready, 2027, here we
0: come. Yeah. Okay, we are committed to keeping time and we take a short break. Capital and welcome back to Global Digest with myself, um, Davis Ayaga, oh with myself, Lavanonamisi, Davis Ayaga and Irene Mwangi. Yes, it happened, Davis. Finally, we're even now. <laughs> we're even. Yeah. Um. So we started off with the conversation around uh, the National Dialogue Committee and what to expect and who is going to lose out and who's not not going to lose out. Then Timothy Olobulu joined us with the with the, with an with an Insight of the Afcon and how we managed to pull off the miraculous, um, uh, the miraculous bid that got us uh, the hosting rights of the 2027 um, Afcon. Now, this next conversation is kind of interesting because the first time we heard about it, we thought the the foreign affairs cabinet secretary was joking. Until President Biden, U.S. President Biden, actually said no. We want to thank the Kenyans for offering to lead the the mission, uh, a police mission to Haiti, and to top it up, we are going to give them around a hundred a hundred thousand or hundred million do- US dollars just to do that. And this uh, this evening, we are expecting the United United Nations Security Council to vote on a US drafted resolution to basically allow a one year deployment of an international for, uh, force to help uh, quell uh, the situation in Haiti. Davis, you started off with this conversation I think last week.
2: You know, you know this is one of the, this is one of the areas that I think our government is being really over ambitious because when you hear top governments Top government officials speaking led by the very cabinet secretary you've spoken about, Alfred Mutua, mm-hmm. the Inspector General of Police, Japheth Como, they speak with a lot of zeal that the mission is going to be a success. Not that I'm the devil's advocate or I'm a prophet of doom. I wish them well. But I think when you look at some of the interventions that have happened in Haiti, mm-hmm. we had the US years back. We had UN peace led missions there, but they failed miserably. So the big question here is how will Kenya succeed where others failed? I think that's a very fundamental question that we must keep on asking every day because it should not be a case where the Kenyan government will be sending 1000 troops in Haiti to perish. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the issues that really needs to be looked at because when you see th- the history of gangs in Haiti, dead years back. And when you look at yeah. how this whole uh, idea, the project, how, how it was brought up, the Kenyan soldiers are going in Haiti blind because they do not know the terrain. They do not speak the language because in Haiti, the, the Haitians they speak is it french and there's mm-hmm. another language mm-hmm. so i think a lot will need to happen because according to the government's projection the soldiers are supposed to be sent by the month of january next year so between now and then
0: this year uh, the, some of the some of the police officers not soldiers some of the police officers are already being taken through a crash
2: course in french that is fine but i think the fundamental question is will they be able to succeed because even back home we have some issues which the military the special squads have failed to deal with banditry al Shabab. the the list is endless mm-hmm. but even as we're having this conversation we wish them well
0: Irene. Mm-hmm. um if, if if you happened to listen to uh, the former vice president kalonzo Musyoka um last week during the BOMAS um, bombers discussion when uh, professor Githu Mugai, former AG appeared before the the committee one of the things that he said is this team should not be allowed this um the police fo- uh, police officers should not be allowed to go to to haiti if parliament has not approved is this a conversation that parliament should should uh, should involve itself in
1: Yeah, I think um, it's a conversation that um, Parliament should um, take up. Um, You witnessed the other scenario that we had when the troops were being sent to DR Congo. And there was quite some agitation, especially from non-governmental organization, uh, including the law society of Kenya. Mm-hmm. So to go by the books, I think uh, by the time the troops are going in January, um, that conversation should, should have been apprehended in and um, should have been brought up in, in the National Assembly.
0: Mm-hmm. The argument, though, Irene, is the law speaks about KDF. It does not speak about yeah, the I, I, I National know. Police Service.
1: Yeah, I know, and and that's what th- that was, that has been the conversation that has been going on in terms of does Parliament have jurisdiction in this particular this particular scenario? Yes, of course, um, the law talks about KDF and not the police troops that are being sent, but again, I think it should, it should be a discussion either by the way of motion mm-hmm. or because again, if we were to look at Article <laughs> Article One of the Constitution, that. Um, People can indirectly or directly um, be 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 what be governed, mm-hmm. and in this case now, parliament being um, the indirect way of uh, the will of the people being subjected, mm-hmm. I think should, it should be courteous to bring it to parliament through a notice of motion okay. that you know the members of parliament had that particular discussion. Mm-hmm. But that said,
0: okay, finish, finish.
1: Uh, but that said, I think. Um, I will not be the pessimist to say that the Kenyan troops should not be sent to Haiti. Mm -hmm. In regards to, we have, you know, been to Somalia, to DR Congo. When the discussion was about the DR Congo, the KDF troops being sent there, it was the same discussion that, you know, Kenyans do not know the terrain. Um, We might have some issues of language barrier here and there. Between now and January, maybe the police troops will have learnt a bit of French if they are a bit, you know, quite sharp, I, I will excuse them, excuse them to say that maybe they'll be quite sharp to know the language by, that, by then but this issue is beyond um, security and justice which is what the Kenya troops are, are going to do there it's more of an economic issue it's more of a social issue. It's an issue that has been caused by the United States and w- as well as um, uh, as well as France, mm-hmm. and that's why you're seeing the U.S. being part of it in terms of 100 million dollars having been um, uh, donated so far to support the initiative. So, as Kenyan, uh, the, the police troops might be successful in terms of restoring uh, peace in the nation. But soon after they leave, if the issues surrounding the social issues and the economic issues, which have been caused by um, the U.S. and the colonizers, that is, the Fr- that is France, then it will be an, exos- an exercise in futility. So we might be successful to the extent that once we join efforts with other countries like Rwanda, who have you know committed to go there, Spain, we might be successful in terms of restoring peace. But soon after, given that the chronic issues have not been addressed, then we might, n- we m- it might be an excess infertility, given that the chronic issues have not been addressed because the it's militias that we're sorry. having there right now yeah. have been there for quite a long time, and it was the France, it w- it was. Uh, France that were using them then, when they were colonizing the, uh, the the people in Haiti, mm-hmm. as well as the US being part of the politi- the um, the coups that we witnessed in that particular nation. It's a nation that has had the highest number of coups, if we are to look into the issue from that aspect. So until then, then it <laughs> might not be
0: as you answer. Yes, you can also combine it with. Is Kenya really welcome? Is our presence
2: welcomed there in any way? Okay. I think what is baffling to the many doubting pharmacists is what is it, what do we stand to gain as a country by us sending the special squad in Haiti? Because this hasn't been explicitly made clear to the public by the government Mm -hmm. that we stand to gain one, two, and three. So the, the, the baffling question that many Kenyans are pondering is are we doing the US bidding? Because the US has already committed to finance to a tune of 100 million US dollars to this project. So are we doing the US bidding? When it comes to the, as if this, the special squad from Kenya will be allowed, they if they will be able to get a better reception in Haiti. So according to the Cabinet Secretary, Alfred Mutua, who spoke to the BBC during an interview, said they conducted a poll survey and 80% of Haitians say they are ready and they are A bit about the Kenyan special squad uh, dealing with the the marauding guns Uh, in Haiti. Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, guys,
0: I will have to stop the conversation here. We'll pick it up next week after we have gotten, um, we've gotten what how the UN uh, Security Council has voted, and then we will have a, a better conversation point to discuss it from. But for now, we want to say a very big thank you to each and every one of you for joining us, for listening in, and even sending in the comments that you have been sending in for Global Digest. It's myself, Laban, Davis, and Irene.